0: Chapter Two of the Grey Man. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Grey Man by S. R. Crockett. Chapter Two. The Lass of the White Tower. Now, as the matter is, I must make haste to tell something of myself and have by with it my name is launcelot kennedy and i alone am the teller of this tale in a country where all are kennedys friends and foe alike this name of mine is no great headmark so launcelot of the spurs i am called or sometimes by those who would taunt me launcelot Spurheel. but for all that i come of a decent Muirland house the kennedys of Kirriock, who were ever lovers of the cassillis blue and gold which are the royal colors of france in memory of the ancient alliance and ever haters of the red and white of bargany which we hold no better than butchers colors bloody and desolate the story or at least my own part in it properly begins upon the night of the fair at maybole whither to my shame i had gone without troubling my master sir thomas kennedy of Culane, with the slight matter of asking his permission Indeed, none so much as knew that I had been to the town of Maybole save Helen Kennedy alone, and she, as I well knew, although I called her light-haired clatter-tongue, would not in any wise tell tales upon me. There, at the fair, I had spent all my silver, buying of trittle-trattles at the lucky booths and about the market stalls, but upon my return I meant to divide fairly with Helen Kennedy, though she was fully two years younger than I indeed only sixteen years of her age though i grant long of the leg and a good runner so being advised of my excellent intentions you shall judge if i was not justified of all that i did to be revenged on the girl afterwards it was the early morning of a march day when i came to the foot of the castle of culaine i went with quiet steps along the shore by the little path that leads to the coves beneath I carried the things that I had bought in a napkin, all tied safely together. Now the towers of Colain are builded upon a cliff, steep and perilous, overlooking the sea, and I, being but a squire of eighteen, though for my age strong and bold, and not to be eaten by anything or feared by any man, was lodged high up in the white tower which rises from the extremest point of the rock now as i say i had not made mention of the little matter of my going abroad to sir thomas both because it was unnecessary to trouble him with so small a thing and also on account of the strictness of his opinions it was therefore the more requisite that i should regain my chamber without putting lazy gilbert in the watch-house at the gate to the trouble of letting fall the drawbridge for me i did not indeed desire to disturb or disarrange him for he would surely tell his master being well called gabby Gibcat, because he came of a race that never in their lives has been able to hold a secret for a single day in the belly of them at least not if it meant money ale or the good will of the lord so it happened that before i went to maybole i dropped a ladder of rope from the stanchions of my window extremely strong and convenient which came down to a ledge some way up among the rocks, at a place which I could easily reach by climbing. Thither I made my way while, as I tell you, the night was just beginning to dusk toward the dawning. I had all my buyings in my arms tied up well, and that tightly in the napkin, just as I had carried them from the lucky booths of Maybole. I tied the outer knot of my bundle firmly to the last rung of the ladder, praying within me that sir thomas might be fast asleep for i had to pass within three feet of his window and being an old man he was somewhat wakerife in the mornings easily started and given to staring out of his lattice without method or sense in a manner which had often filled me with pain and foreboding for his reason but by the blessing of god and because he was somewhat tired with walking in the fields with his baron officer the night before it happened that sir thomas was sound asleep and that i was nothing troubled with him but immediately beneath me in the white tower were the rooms of his two daughters marjorie and helen kennedy and of these helen's room was to the front so that my rope ladder passed immediately in front of her window while the chamber of marjorie was to the back and in this instance concerned me not at all so i scrambled up the swinging ladder and, indeed, there are not many that would venture as much on a cold March morning, I passed Helen Kennedy's window. As I went by, the devil, as I take it, prompted me to scratch with my toe upon the leaden frame of her lattice, for the lass was mortally afraid of ghosts. So I pictured to myself that, hearing the noise at the window, she would take it for the scraping of an evil spirit trying to find a way in, and forthwith draw the clothes over her head and lie trembling. Pleasing myself, therefore, with this picture, I scraped away and laughed within myself till I nearly fell from the ladder. Presently I heard a stirring within the chamber, and stopped to listen. "'She has her head under the clothes by now,' I said to myself, as I climbed on up to my own window, which I found unhasped even as I had left it. I entered, gripping the edge of the broad sill, and lifting myself over with ease, being very strong of the forearm.' indeed i had won a prize for wrestling at the fair that day in spite of my youth a thing which i intended to keep secret till helen kennedy should begin to taunt me with being but a boy and feckless it chanced however that i who had been thus victorious with men older than myself was now to be vanquished conquered and overset by one who was two years younger and she a lassie then being safe in my chamber i began to pull up the ladder of cords with all my goods and chattels tied at the end of it and my thoughts were already running on the good things therein cakes and comfits sweetmeats some bottles of canary wine and geegaws for the adorning of my person when i rode forth the latter not for pride of which i have none but in order that i might ride in good squirely fashion and as became the gentleman attendant of so great a lord as sir thomas kennedy of culaine tutor of cassillis brother of the late and uncle of the present earl of that name i drew up my rope-ladder all softly and with success because from the stanchions it swung clear of the walls of the castle for the reason that my turret jutted a little way over as is the custom with towers of that architecture. And so all went well till my bundle came opposite the window of Helen Kennedy's room. There it was suddenly caught and gripped tight, so that I could in no wise pull it further. Nevertheless, I wrestled with it so strongly, even as I had done with grown men at Maybole, that the cord suddenly gave way. And what with the stress and pith of pulling, I fell, blaff, on my back, Hitting my head upon one of the low cross beams of my little chamberlet. This made me very angry indeed, but I leave you to judge how much more angered I was when I found that the cords of my rope ladder had been cleanly severed with a knife, and that my bundle and all it contained had been most foully stolen from me. I looked out of the window, rubbing my sore head the while with my hand. Nell Kennedy! i called as loudly as i dared you are nothing but a thief and a mean thief the lass put her head out of the window and looked up at me so that her hair hung down and i saw the soft lace ruffle of her night apparel it was long and swayed in the wind being of a golden yellow colour the hair i am speaking of not by lady the bedgown mistress helen kennedy from you sirrah if you please she said what may be the business upon which squire launce spurhill ventures to address his master's daughter besom said i taking no heed of her tauntings thief grab all give me back my bundle my heart was hot within me for indeed i had intended to share everything with her in the morning if only she would be humble enough and come with me into the cove now there is nothing more angering than thus to be balked on the threshold of a generous action and, indeed, I was not given to the doing of any other kind, though often enough frustrated in my intention by, by the ill-setness of others. "'Thou wast a noble ghost, Spur-heel,' cried she, mocking me. "'I heard thee laughing, brave frightener of girls. "'Well, I forgive thee, for it is a good bundle of excellent devices "'that thou hast carried for me all the way from the fair at Maybole. "'Everything that I craved for is here, saving the brown puggy-monkey.' Brought with a french pastry and with little black raisins for the eyes which i heard of yesterday i am glad i ate that by the way i said in order to have some amends of her for indeed there was no such thing in the fair at least so far as i saw may it give thee twisty thaws and sit ill on thy stomach pearl spur-heel she cried up at me for at sixteen she was more careless of her speech than a herd on the hill when his dogs are not working sweetly Nevertheless she spoke as though she had been saying something pleasant and by its nature agreeable to hear For I do not deny that the lass was sometimes pleasant spoken enough To others not to me and that upon occasion she could demean herself as became a great lady Which indeed she was and when no one was by then I took no ill tongue from her But gave as good as I got or maybe a kenning better I could hear her at the window below taking the packages out of the bundle ye have good taste in the choice of cakes she said coming to the window again the sweetmeats are most excellent the pastry melts in the mouth as she looked out she munched one of the well-raised comforts i had bought for my own eating at Callane, we had but plain beef and double ale but no lack of these also puddings black and white see it flakes tenderly being well readied she cried up at me "'flipping it with the forefinger of her right hand "'to show its delicate lightness. "'She held the cake, in order to eat it, "'in the palm of her left hand, "'at which, being angered past enduring, "'I took up an ornament of wood "'which had fallen from the back of an oak chair, "'and threw it at her. "'But she ducked quickly within, "'so that it went clattering on the rocks beneath. "'She looked out again. "'Um, Ah, uh, um, blundershot,' said she mocking me with her mouth remember you are not shooting at a rantipole cock at maybole fair give me my property i replied with some dignity and firmness else in the morning i will surely tell your father ay ay cried she even tell him about Maybold fair and coming home through the wood with your arm round the waist of Bonnie kate allison the greaves lass he will be most happy to hear of that and of the other things you have been doing all the night also to be thy father confessor and set thee penance for thy deed it is a lie i said angry that nell kennedy should guess so discomfortably near to the truth what is a lie most sweet and pleasant-spoken youth she queried with a voice like mistress pussy's velvet paws the matter you have spoken concerning the greaves lass i care nothing for girls and i spoke the truth at the moment for indeed there were things by-past that i was now sorry for she went in and explored further in my bundle while i stood at the upper window above and miss called her over the window-sill as loudly as i dared every little while she ran to the window to examine something for the light was now coming broad from the east and flooding the sea even to the far blue mountains of Arran and Cantyre. ribbons and belts and hat bands all broidered with silk she cried was ever such grandeur known in this place of killein they will do bravely for me and besides they will save thy back from the hangman and the cart-tail whip for thou Spurhill, art not of the quality to wear such but they will do excellency for the purling and ribboning of a baron's daughter Nevertheless heartily do I applaud your taste in taffeta spur-heel and let that be a comfort to thee Was there ever such a wench? I said to myself stamping my foot in anger Last of all Nell brought to the window the three bottles of canary wine for which i had paid so dear what is this she cried with her head at the side of, in her masterful cocksparrow way what is this wine wine of canary rotten water rather i warrant to be sold in a booth at a fair at any rate wine is not good for boys she added and such drabbled stuff as not for the drinking of a lady wouldst thou like it spur heel she ducked in thinking that i was about to throw something more at her which indeed i scorned to do besides having nothing convenient to my hand look you squire launce she said again crying from the window without setting her head out you are something of a marksman they say there never was a such like our spurheel in spurheel's own estimation but i can outmark him fix your eye on yon black rock with the tide just coming over it one two and three and in a moment one of my precious broad-bellied bottles of wine played clash on samson's reef, two hundred feet below the white tower i was fairly dancing now with anger and threatened to come down my rope ladder to be even with her indeed i made the cord ready to throw myself out of the window to clamber down but even as i did so the glaked maiden sent the two other jars of canary to keep company with the first then she leaned out and looked up sweetly holding the sash of the window meantime in her hand you are going to visit my father in the morning doubtless and tell him all about the bundle and the Lass, God godspeed and my blessing she cried making ready to shut the window and draw the bolt i am going to sleep in marjorie's room the gulls are beginning to sing i love not to hear gabble yours or theirs but i leave you to guess who it was that felt himself the greater gull End of chapter 2